You are listening to The State of Sustainability, a podcast that highlights sustainability initiatives throughout the state and develops a casual conversation about environmental stewardship that the average person can understand and replicate. I'm your host, Caleb Powell. And I'm your co-host, Ashley Cabrera. So today, you might notice that our voices, both of our voices (laughs) sound clear. Um, So we are actually in person today. We came into the office and... It's crazy. I haven't seen Ashley in person in quite some time. So, yep. yeah, we're back in. We're, we don't know if all of them going forward will be in person, but um, but this one is, and we're going to try to get as, get back to the swing of things as much as possible, hopefully making the volume not differentiate too much. Um, <laughs> better the, sound quality. Yeah, yeah the, the quality hopefully will be better for everyone. Um, but today we have the privilege to have our... TDEC commissioner, David Salyers, on the podcast. He's We call him the boss man. Uh, maybe that's just me. But um, he became commissioner in 2019 and has been doing just an absolutely great job leading the, the front for um, environmental sustainability and natural areas conservation and just really just leading TDEC um, upwards. So, um, you know, and especially because of last year, he navigated us through the pandemic and administrative changes all at the um, same time at the state and federal levels. So. Yeah, and he's honestly really down to earth. He's always willing to help, you know, in any way that he can. Um, actually, a few months into his role as commissioner, I was putting together a video for Get Food Smart TN, and we were on a short time frame but needed him to speak um, in part of it. And he gladly helped, and it was great to see someone who was just getting settled into a leadership role to jump right into it. And it's just been really great to have him um, also join us uh, on a few of our staff meetings as well. Yeah, I feel like that's not something that someone so high up like, yeah, as a commissioner would normally do, jump mm-hmm. in and just to, to meet all of the people in yeah, TDEC. Sure. Um, so very special guy, and he's someone that is truly a role model to me. Um, and I'm constantly learning from his leadership and, and the, his passion for the environment. So we're excited for the episode today. and. Hope you enjoy. And now, I'd like to introduce our guest for the very first time on the podcast, Commissioner David Salyers. How are you doing today, Commissioner? I'm doing great. This is my first podcast ever, so I am very excited about it. Well, I'm, I'm sorry that it took us, what, 20, is this episode 20, we're like 25, 26? So I'm yeah. sorry that it took that long to get you on the podcast. Um... I've been meaning to get you on here for a while. You are our fearless leader, and um, so we're excited to have you on here and see sort of what direction TDEX got for the for the upcoming years, and um, yeah, and just talk to you about how you got in this position. So I wanted to start off with a little bio um, for Commissioner Salyers, and then he can sort of talk a little bit more, go into a little bit more depth of you know, his background and stuff like that. So uh, David Salyers became commissioner of TDEC in January 2019 after serving as executive director of the West Tennessee River Basin Authority. And he's he w- you were the executive director since 97? Yes, that's correct. Wow. A native of rural western Kentucky and currently a resident of Davidson County, Tennessee, uh, he led the West Tennessee River Basin Authority as an agency that sets a standard for water resource management in West Tennessee. 
Salyers introduced stream management techniques that led to improved efficiency and preservation of natural resources. He worked for 11 years in the private sector in the Southeast as an engineer and manager before taking reins of the Basin Authority. He maintains registrations as, as a professional engineer and geologist, as well as being a certified hydrologic professional. Um, he received a bachelor's degree in geology and a bachelor's degree and a master's degree um, in geological engineering from Missouri University of Science and Technology. He has a wife, Robin, and has been married for 36 years and has two daughters and three grandchildren. So that was a lot, but um, you know, I, there's a lot more that I could have read. He's done a lot for the environment, especially here in Tennessee. We're, we're happy to have you as our, as our reigning leader and uh, yeah. So uh, you want to talk a little bit of how I came to TDAC? Yeah, please. Cause, yeah. Cause, because for the people that don't know, um, the West Tennessee, or the, the yeah, West Tennessee River Basin Authority is part of TDEC, correct? That is correct. Okay, yes. so you've been a part of TDEC essentially since 97? Uh, yes, yeah, okay. administratively attached. And uh, I'd really like to go, if it's okay with you, just to talk about you know, how I got to where I got and how I think about the way that I think about things. And, yeah. and it really goes back a long way. And um, as you noted, I grew up in a very small rural town in western Kentucky. Uh, I loved the outdoors, camping, hiking, hunting, fishing, working on the farm, and just generally exploring. Um, I was good at math. Uh, I was very fascinated with nature. An extremely competitive individual. We're in my office right now, and you see I carry a few trophies around yes. my head um, that I'm so proud of. But um, but finally, um, I decided I wanted to pursue a career and, uh, and get a college degree. Didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. Uh, out of my family, I'm a first-generation uh, college graduate. Awesome. Uh, and I, believe it or not, started in computer science programming, Fortran, PLC, Assembler, and, you know, y'all are young enough, you don't remember, but, I mean, really, we did use key punch cards and wrap them in rubber bands and, and, and put them in a batch processor in the, in the evening. But, uh, so, uh, I was there, and I enjoyed it, but I really got to thinking about life and, like, do I want to sit in a cubicle mm. the rest of my life and be programming and finding bugs in programs and things of that nature? So I, I took a geology class and really fell in love with the Earth's processes and understanding those. And as you noted, I had a bachelor's degree in geology, a bachelor's and a master's in geological engineering. Uh, when I graduated, I was recruited by private industry. I uh, actually spent a couple years offshore in the oil industry as a geological engineer, uh, a stint as an engineering consultant, I worked in the solid waste management industry, and that was a little different than you may think of it. Um, there, I did acquisitions of companies, existing landfills, uh, worked on contaminated sites, did a lot of permitting, uh, cultural resources, uh, endangered species type studies, things like that. So, so really got to manage a lot of huge uh, multi-million dollar projects, uh, and then, uh, then got heavily involved in construction and then management. But because I was involved in some of these multi-million dollar acquisitions, I, I was exposed to senior leadership, you know, in the southeastern United States and in the, in the company as a whole. And, um, and I think they had a, a recognition that I had an ability to connect risk and potential 
with economics, you know, sort of kind of pull it all together. And uh, so I was tagged as a future leader executive. Now, this is where I have to start making tough decisions in my life. So I, uh, I, I uh, you know, I, I was, I, I got exposure to these people. I was mentored by these folks. They were awesome. So, but they, the push began by them for me to become an executive. So that's, you know, I went through psychological testing and things like that. They're like, man, you're going to be great. We're going to do it. And uh, so, I, so I started working down that path and uh, I realized, you know, I'm not, I'm not enjoying this. I'm liking the paychecks, but I'm not. Uh, I'm not having fun. I was really focused on making money, profits, personnel issues, things like that. Uh, so, uh, so I still had the desire to work on some of the more meaningful projects that I felt like I was working on earlier in my career mm-hmm. uh, that made a difference. And um, so, um, so an opportunity did present itself, and I had several people that approached me and urged me, like, you'd be perfect for this executive director of the West Tennessee River Basin Authority. Uh, this is an agency that's been given a new mission, a more environmentally sensitive mission. It's about to go belly up and floundering, and they don't have any money. Uh, and, uh, you know, hey, if it's not turning around quickly, you can put a fork in it. Sound like fun to me. Uh, so uh, so I pursued it, and then, I, you know, I, I reported to, uh, to board of directors. I think it was about 26 folks at the time. Uh, very, very challenging position. A number of politicians, you know, elected, uh, elected county mayors, uh, state representatives, and a number of other uh, stakeholders, uh, principally uh, dealing with flood risk management, infrastructure protection, natural stream and floodplain restoration, environmentally sensitive stream maintenance, and watershed scale ecosystem restoration. And it, uh, it was almost as if my whole life before me had sort of kind of prepared me to do this job with the exception of the the politics associated yeah. with reporting to a, a board of directors. So, well, you know, our, our agency grew. We were being successful. Um, geographically, we grew. From a budget standpoint, we grew. The board of directors grew as well. You know, it ended up being 31 folks, and, um, and uh, we were taking on huge uh, new and innovative type projects, miles and miles of stream and floodplain restoration, uh, all the while building the science and advancing the science behind it. So, so I got to, uh, to uh, satisfy my desire to do meaningful work and projects. Uh, so I did have to learn the political aspects of the job as well. Another big preparation for, for me becoming commissioner. So uh, and, and our agency was administratively attached to the department. We reported up through a board of directors. And, uh, and so I got to work with a lot of uh, the t- a number of TDEC commissioners and deputy commissioners and uh, and a lot of the leadership and I really had a, a great uh, admiration for the passion that they brought to their job for TDEC's mission. But uh, anyway, I, I sat there and watched them work and it seemed uh, really stressful for them and mm. a job where I didn't see how you know how they could even make a difference. But uh, Plus, it was in downtown Nashville, and who wants to live in downtown Nashville? <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that in a, more in a minute. But uh, but it, it's just not a job that appealed to me or I was interested in it at all at the time. Uh, nevertheless, uh, you know, I really learned to become a strategic goal setter. And um, and at the Basin Authority, I, with the help of some others, I set some very aggressive yet strategic goals. And, um, and I was able to hire uh, some very capable people and enable them to help achieve the goals. So... 
so we achieved those goals about four years ago. And, uh, and I had, you know, I finally got to the point, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, we set an aggressive goal and we achieved it like mm-hmm. two or three years before we thought we were going to achieve it. I'm bored. What's <laughs> next? And uh, I, I can remember thinking, and I did have some people talk to me about, you know, you ought to consider being commissioner. I was like, no, no way. That's crazy. I see what they go through. I'm not doing it. Uh, but uh, but then it, it, it occurred to me, you know, with the, the election coming up, what, a, what about commissioner of TDAC? Uh, so, you know, a lot of times when I'm faced with tough decisions, I learned to ask myself what I call the why questions, you know, why would you want to do that? You know, why, why would you do this? Why would you do that? And it really, you know, so it, it sat down and, uh, you know, and I pinned out my answers. I just, I wrote them out and it became a, came a, a document that really helped me focus on what was important to me and, um, and really inspired me to, to seek the position. I could, I phrased it in a lot of different ways. I can say I had a bigger sandbox to play in mm-hmm. rather than just West Tennessee. Now I've got the whole state and, and other stuff. Uh, or I could potentially have a huge and lasting impact on the sustainability of our great state, given the rapid, rapid population growth and the environmental issues that come along with that population growth. So um, uh, here I am. And you know what? Uh, I love the work. I love the job. I love the people. I love the challenges uh, slash opportunities because I do like to look at them as opportunities. And I even love uh, living downtown Nashville. Well, um, I think I could speak for everyone in TDEC and say that you've done a tremendous job, especially with all the, the challenges or opportunities, like you like to call them, uh, that you've been put through these these since you've been uh, commissioner, you know, I mean, you came in 2019 and then 2020 hit and that was a challenge for, mm-hmm. I'm sure, every commissioner of, of every department. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I, I've only been here four years, but I've truly enjoyed having you as a leader and uh, I think you're doing a, a tremendous job at it. So well, thank you. Yeah. And um, so you you said like you know you've seen the headaches that <laughs> others have uh, went through so hopefully we haven't uh, it hasn't been that much of a headache although if anyone has the biggest headache it would uh, probably be you during you know navigating through the pandemic and whatnot um, did the challenges with the pandemic pandemic even seem that stressful or has other stuff that you've dealt with in other leadership was that more stressful than this? I'm just curious. I'm just thinking about the, you know, just how you viewed it. Yeah, no, it, it was certainly uh, certainly a huge challenge. I think uh, we were at uh, a cabinet meeting, and uh, the governor showed up, and he's like, hey, congratulations. Um, we've dealt with, uh, you know, in, in the 1900s, we had this, Spanish flu, Mm -hmm. I think it was in 1918, somewhere in that time frame. Mm -hmm. Great Depression. Uh, Civil unrest in the the Mm -hmm. 1960s. Uh, A few impeachments here and there. And we had had another impeachment uh, recently. And uh, congratulations, you've uh, had all that within the past six months. (laughs) And uh, so so when you really look like it it did. But, you know... um, in, in, in thinking about it from my perspective, and even the governor's perspective, you know, when he's been uh, 
he was uh, he, he went through some tough financial situations in businesses. He was prepared. It was sort of kind of providential that he was here leading us in, in that. You know, he had confidence. No, and I, I had confidence too. And and every time you know you have a have a crisis, and I've I've observed this in in other roles, and maybe not one of the magnitude of this, but you know, you go through it, you make the right decisions, you stay strong, you keep focused on the vision. You see, you see where you're going to be, but in the end, there's a lot of good things that come out of that. And um, while the pandemic was devastating, and and many people lost much, and uh, and I can't fully relate to all that, but I can say that you know I feel like TDEC is coming out stronger. We are stronger, and uh, and we've learned some great things. I mean, you know, we're having a podcast today. It's in, while it's in person today, mm-hmm. but we could have done this uh, virtually. And uh, you know, our meetings, we've we found ways to get it done. Parts of our department are doing better. You know, doing alternate work solutions and. And I think it really um, makes the decision going forward to move to AWS or Alternate Work Solutions an easier decision because we have proven to ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, a, a big part of moving to that is there's a, there's a technology transformation, but more importantly, there's a cultural transformation. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, we're going to go take swimming lessons and learn how to culturally transform to act in this environment. Well, what happened was we got thrown into the deep end of the pool and, yep. and, and we're told swim or drown. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we swam to the side and we were like, oh, that's not so bad. Like, yeah, so, the deep end's a little scary until you figure out how to yeah. <laughs> float on your back. Yeah. And I mean, I think yeah. that's a great, that's a great um, analogy. Perspe- analogy that, that, thank you. Um, <laughs> that, you know, we were thrown in the pool. And uh, mm-hmm. I, my little cousin just went to swim lessons and they get thrown in the pool and, and yeah, it scares them, but then they're taught to float on their back and, you know, relax and figure out how you're going to get to the side. And I think that that's exactly what TDEC did under your leadership. So, um, speaking of that, um, and, and looking forward, um, what, what is, what's on the agenda or what, what would you like to see going forward in the future for the rest of this year and, 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 you know, towards the future, 2022 Mm -hmm. even. I am a bit of a goal setter, and I, I try to always do that in December. And this year, I had a lot of time to think about that. So, uh, and it was really pretty simple. I can remember probably the first meeting of uh, 2021 I had with Chief of Staff Simo, and she was like, "What are we going to do this year?" I'm like, "We're going to get back to the strategic plan that we developed and the, the issues that we want to accomplish. We're going to refocus on those and take the lessons that we've learned over this past year and incorporate those." So. Uh, and I, I would say there are six primary goals in there. And uh, so, uh, and, and no doubt, coming out of COVID, uh, things have changed. You know, we need to go back and relook at our strategic plan. There's going to be, there's new opportunities for us that weren't there. And uh, so we'll be looking at those. But, you know, first and foremost is just to positively impact the environment and quality of life of our citizens uh, in our state. And then one thing that's very important to me is that we implement the tenets of uh, TNH2O, which is Tennessee's Comprehensive um, Water Resources Plan. So, and that's our greatest resource, water. And we've got to really mm-hmm. think about that and uh, and how we uh, how we go forward. Uh, I would say also as a part of that uh, goal is playing a greater role in recruitment of industry to our state. And uh, 
you know, when you when you think about it, it, it typically I think the numbers are when industry is looking at a state, let me see your workforce, they skill, you know, what do we have? Second is quality of life. So it ranks very, very high when it comes to making the decision to come to Tennessee. And we're the Department of Quality of Life, you know, so so we're so we're a key part of that. So um, and, and also today's successful companies, you know, whereas maybe in the 60s, 70s, not so much, but they have a strong environmental and conservation ethic. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's good. And um, I, I used to be fond of saying, and when I, when I interviewed for the job, I told the governor, I was like, we can have a strong economy and a clean environment at the same time. Uh, in two and a half years, as I've observed this, and I've interacted with these companies, we must have a clean environment to have a strong economy. Mm. It's really changed. It's what the market demands for us. So, so um, it's what consumers demand now. It's you know? ab- absolutely. It is. It is market driven. It's not regulatory driven. Or we're going to force you into this. This is what this is what our customers want. They demand it of companies. And if you're not that kind of company, we're not going to buy your product. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a uh, it's good. So so I do see that, and I see. Uh, you know, the, the quality of our natural resources environment is being a driver for a lot of these companies to, to take a look at Tennessee. Uh, you know, the other part of it is, you know, I want to really keep our park strong in a showcase for our natural beauty. Uh, and uh, then, then we have another, you know, I talked about opportunities, but really to effectively implement the, the funding that's going to come along with uh, America's rescue plan. And, uh, for clean water and drinking water infrastructure, uh, we have about $15 billion of need in our state mm-hmm. as projected, you know, through 2040. That's a huge need. And uh, so so I think for us, this is a great opportunity, and it's going to better position us as a state for economic development and allow us to clean up our water resources and manage them better in line with TNH2O, as I, as I noted earlier. Um the other part that really sort of kind of excites me and in going into uh, this year and next year, uh, our partnership with TVA on the electric vehicle infrastructure side and uh, the state's uh, partnership with the automotive manufacturing industry, battery companies that are looking at us, tire companies, things like that. It's really, you know, we are, we are the... Uh, the uh, electric vehicle epicenter of the southeastern United States. For sure. But we have the opportunity, uh, and it's, it's at hand, to be the environmental epicenter of the nation, possibly the world. And I think that's, I think that's big. So, mm-hmm. so under goal one for next year, that's, that's a part of what I see, and that ought to be enough right there. Yeah. <laughs> but there's more, you know. So, uh, but... Uh, uh, you know, we are going to continue to strive to cultivate internal and external relationships uh, with, uh, with, with our stakeholders. And I am a, I'm a relationships equal results leader. That's how I love people. Uh, I like to get to know them. I want them to know me and, uh, and to have a relationship built on trust. And, uh, and partnerships and meaningful collaboration are the result of those strong internal and external relationships built on trust, as I, as I noted. So then I think, as always, some of the more boring stuff, but very important is to be, be accountable to our citizens mm-hmm. uh, by operating a fiscally responsible department, maintaining sustainable funding, 
continue to improve organizational performance and excellence and continue process improvement. And, you know, one of the things I like, it's goal five, is really ensure positive experiences for our customers, our guests, and other stakeholders, whether they are wow moments, as Deputy Commissioner Bryson likes to call them, uh, in our parks or state natural areas, or their wow moments between the regulated community and our divisions and people that regulate them. Uh, so we have, uh, we have great people who love and are passionate about their work and our mission. Uh, I think they have a tremendous customer service ethic. You know, I get to see the reports. I saw like 97% positive satisfaction for wow. a regulatory agency. I mean, that's great. And, uh, and I can just say I am so proud to work alongside those people that make that, make that happen. Um, then uh, another one that may sound boring but is foundational is like implementing the strategic use of uh, technology uh, department-wide. Mm-hmm. Now, as y'all are aware, we got a, a multi-million dollar non-recurring funding so we, we could upgrade our IT modernization systems. And, and, you know, it's really, really important when you really look at the systems that we've got, but it's, it's, it's foundational to, uh, to operate the most efficient, effective regular, regulatory program in the entire country, mm-hmm. which is where we want to be, as well as the number one state park system in the country. So we've got to be there. And our people deserve those kind of tools and uh, that are going to support them and enable them to accomplish this. And, uh, and our stakeholders do deserve the, the best customer service we can provide. And uh, we cannot achieve this goal without IT modernization. Oh, yeah, I can agree. A good, uh, a good computer goes a long way. And a bad one will, will, will make things, you know. T- I mean, we were just talking before we even started the podcast. Uh, our first podcasts were, uh, what, maybe the first five to ten podcasts were on my old computer. And it, it took double the amount of time. And I know that's sort of not the same thing. But, but you know, if, if we don't have technology that's up to date, then it's sort of doing a disjustice to these great employees that we have. So I couldn't agree more. Or was that a pitch for a new computer? <laughs> uh, well, I want to say I think we're, I think uh, they've been ordered. <laughs> okay, yeah. I've actually got a pretty good computer, so. Um. Yeah. Um, but uh, going back to more personally, and and this can be, I mean, this is associated with you know your job as well. But what drives your passion for sustainability? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say really my general ethos uh, for our natural world and. Uh, you know, formed from an early age, you know, the curiosity and then and then that being strengthened through educational and professional experiences. Um, and, you know, when you think about it, you know, it, it's, it is a fact, you know, our global population is growing at an incredible rate and is the number one factor that drives all of our environmental issues. And, um, and that puts a huge uh, strain on our natural resources. I mean, I can look at it from Tennessee's perspective and I can look at it from a global perspective. So, so we've got to find ways to um, uh, to use innovation, technology, and uh, education to counter some of these negative effects. And, and we have a great opportunity. You know, we're sitting here at a spot where we can we can we can influence that. Mm-hmm. We've also got to find ways to not only to preserve. We just don't want to hold status quo. We want to improve mm-hmm. um, our natural environment. So, uh, so future generations can see it, feel it, smell it, touch it, taste it. And, and come to appreciate it and love it like like we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, if I really sort of try to simplify it and I boil it down, 
and look at my grandchildren. And there's, you see, my, my latest one over there. Mm. I call him Little Man. And uh, But it's really, you know, I want to leave the world a better place than I found it, you know, for them. You know, like mm-hmm. you do for your kids, and if you have grandkids someday, you know it's uh, you know it's it's there. So, so I would say that's it. Yeah, you guys have a similar hairstyle. We do, <laughs> we do, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. See, mine was natural. I actually had as much hair as you do, Caleb, when I took this job. <laughs> it just disappeared in like Employees two weeks. Employees like me, I guess. There's yeah, that's like yeah. There's always there's always a problem. Employee somewhere, you know. I could, I can definitely agree. Um, like my three-year-old, I'm trying to instill in her uh, different things that, um, well, I've been saying since I was little and telling my mother. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, it's, you know, especially since I work a lot with food waste, you know, explaining to her like the different reasons why we don't waste food, like environmentally but also there's someone down the street that doesn't know where their next mm-hmm. meal is coming mm-hmm. from you know and um watching her really like try to understand that and then and then you know days later she says something like yeah because some people don't have like, you know it, mm-hmm. it clicks because at a younger age it's so much easier to to mold like to have healthy like get those healthy habits in place and and carry with uh, carry them through like your whole life oh yeah because you know you and you have the capacity to learn so much easier mm-hmm. when you get my age you have the capacity to forget <laughs> more um so this is if you know, we're on the the topic of more of like a personal um level uh we wanted to ask you what is one action that you take either in your home or here in your office uh, to reduce your environmental impact yeah so uh, you know when i when i too when i think about that it's uh and you know and I, i'm gonna list off a few things that are little but i would say fundamentally throughout my life it's sort of some of the professional decisions that i made because of my personal belief that's really you know how i get there and how i have the how i have the the big impact, but uh, you know, I live uh, close to the office. It reduces my drive time. Uh, I, I live close enough to walk, but you know, as I'm sitting here today in a suit and uh, and the walk is uphill, uh, <laughs> I uh, I choose not to show up at work soaking wet. So so I do I do drive, but it's it's you know it's a, it's very short drive, so I consume very little fuel. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't have the frustration that uh, I think you mentioned oh, earlier, yeah. Ashley, of the <laughs> of the commute, and uh, yeah. then uh, I'm like right now I've got my uh, Nalgene water bottle here. I always yeah. can't say that I don't use bottled water occasionally, but uh, but I really uh, try try to avoid that. Uh, I keep reusable grocery bags in my vehicle, unless I forget to carry them in. And you know, in the event that I go in and I bring back some some plastic bags, I, I repurpose them. I at least get one or two uses out of them. So I, mm-hmm. I try to do that. Uh, uh, when Robin and I go out to eat, Robin, my wife, and uh, so we uh, we typically will walk. You know, occasionally we want to go somewhere else. We'll typically walk to the restaurant. We live in Germantown. It's pretty easy. Uh, we have bicycles, so if the walk is too far, we'll hop on the bike and ride the bike. And uh, so, uh, you know, some of the things that I miss, I used to be a an avid gardener, and I always had my compost pile, my garden waste, and yard waste, and 
Um, I don't have a yard anymore. You know, I was, hey, I'm living in downtown Nashville, and I tried to tomato plants last year in pots, and did not work out too well. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, but anyway, and then you know, I, I take clothes and uh, you know the useful items to, to charities that can use them, and and uh, Robin uh, works with a couple local charities. The other day, we were at an event, and they had a some perishable foods, and if we didn't go, you know, they were gonna they're gonna throw it away. So she. Mm. Picked it up and took it, you know. So, so, uh, so. Anyway, those are just some of the things that I do. Yeah, and sorry, go ahead, Caleb. No, that's fine. Um, yeah, and uh, the last thing you said is, you know, if y'all wouldn't have showed up and got that food, it would have been wasted. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think, well, I can only do something little, and it's not going to make a difference. That little thing can go a long way because, well since you did it in the first place, that small amount of waste, uh, no matter what kind of waste it is, is not going to landfill. Mm-hmm. It's being used. Um, and then someone may have seen you done uh, do that, and they're like, oh, wow, I could do that too. And, um, you know, you're leading by example. So, You know, it's pretty neat. Our first year here, we, uh, we were involved in a piece of legislation that reduced the liability uh, associated with you know, uh, restaurants and grocery stores donating uh, oh, yes. food that's still good to uh, to uh, to a lot of the nonprofits and charities. So, I really feel good about that. Yeah, and actually, I was just thinking about it. Um, so, the, one of the Titans players, Taylor Lewan, he's got a podcast, um, and it's called Busting with the Boys. I listen to it a lot. But his wife actually just started a. It's called Feeding Nashville. It's a nonprofit. Okay, yeah. And so I was thinking. You know, right before we got on here, um, that would be great to maybe if we could do some sort of collaboration. Have you uh, maybe do like down the road have a, another podcast episode with her on it, and, uh, and maybe see if uh, like Taylor will line yeah, up yeah, just me, and I could see if I can, <laughs> I can I can rush the quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but so I guess to I know this, this sort of puts you on the spot, but you're you're good under pressure. So um, <laughs> we wanted to ask you. And you might, you know, I'll, we'll just see how you answer this question. But what is your favorite Tennessee State Park? And well, you know, I've I've seen all these pictures right here. You've been to all of them, right? Have oh you been, yeah, you've been oh, to all of them. Yeah. No, see, no. I, I actually haven't been to all of them. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's my that's my goal one day. I want to get my little passport stamp. So, I you know I know, and that's putting you sort of since since you're the the commissioner. I don't know if you want to answer how you <laughs> want to answer it, but. Uh, we thought we'd ask you and see what you Oh, said. that's a that's a great question, and uh, you're not the first one that's asked it. I've been asked in, <laughs> in many settings and trying to trick me into answering. <laughs> well, I guess since you're here today, this is your favorite state park, you know. Uh, you know what? That's a, I figured out early on that's a trap that I am not going to fall <laughs> into. And uh, so let me, uh, let me answer it this way, and which is absolutely true. In 2019, my first year as commissioner, I made a commitment to visit all 56 state parks. Uh, I did it, and uh, and uh, I have a wooden carving over here on my shelf uh, titled "David's Excellent State Park Adventure," and uh, that commemorates the achievement for visiting them all. So, so you would think that perhaps I would have a favorite one or two or three or whatever. Well, maybe this one in the fall and this one in the winter and things like that but you know what I what I did learn um, and I, I can't believe I'm saying this but it was really uh, it surprised me just by visiting with that just how unique every state mm-hmm. park is 
and they all have their own vibe, uh, and I'm sure it's different at different times of year too. They all have their own story, and there is some really, really cool history there. And they definitely each have their own scenic beauty. You know, when you think about Real Foot Lake, uh, or, oh, you th- yeah. or you think about Roan Mountain, I mean, you know, in, in everything in between, uh, they're, uh, they're, uh, they're all special places. So, no, I'm not going to get trapped <laughs> in saying what's my favorite one. I think they're all, they're all my favorite. So, you know, just, just make sure when you do visit a state park, you, you really take the time to just absorb it and take it all in. Oh, yeah. of course. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, and I I figured you would sort of answer it like that. Like I said, you're always getting mm-hmm. under pressure, and you're able to uh, to answer questions uh, just so beautifully. Uh, I really look up to you uh, in that regard. But, um, you know, we do a ranger report every every month for this, and it's been so amazing getting to talk to a ranger or, you know, occasionally one of the, the managers and hear the passion in their voice. They don't have to know any of the questions we're going to ask them any question we ask them about the park they just know they it. know the information they know the history they know you know any all the different activities you can do and i mean i think that tennessee i'm biased born and raised here but has just the most diverse state parks like you said i mean mm-hmm. you can go to fall creek falls and see just a beautiful mm. huge waterfall and then like you said you can go see bald eagles at real foot lake and you can see i mean and we went to Cumberland Mountain, me and my family, a couple of weeks ago, and I'm like, I had, I, I grew up in Tennessee. I had no clue, like, the, this homestead, like, I had no clue any yeah. of that. Um, and it was so cool to see. Yeah, and I think, I think that that's one of the main reasons that Ashley and I wanted to start the Ranger Report is because a lot of people, I'll hear all the time, hey, let's go camping in, you know, North Carolina, or let's go see a national park. I'm like, we've got so many close state parks that show just a dynamic beauty of environment and um, activities, hiking, biking, swimming, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so, um, yeah, I'm I'm sad that I haven't, I've lived here my whole life. I need to, to go check them all out. There are so many stories. I mean, it's like, I mean, you go to Port Royal and uh, mm-hmm. it was a booming little town yep. on, the, on the river right there. And uh, the Trail of Tears went right through there. You know, what a story. Uh, the Bell Witch's father was treated there, you know, in, in some of the buildings that are no longer there. It's just, uh, but they're all, I mean, you, you go and you, you hear the, the passion in the voice of the, of the rangers and the interpreters and the, and the love that they have mm-hmm. for the story and the place. And it's, uh, it's really incredible. And then you go to uh, Old Stone Fort, you know, like these archaeological type sites. And uh, it's a... Uh, it's absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. I couldn't sure. agree more. Well, Commissioner, thank you so much for taking time. Uh, we know you're super busy taking care of so much stuff. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, you're, you're building the map for uh, the coming years of, of how we are going to conserve our, our natural resources and, and do our due diligence for the environment. So we appreciate everything that you've done. Um, truly honest when I say that I appreciate and that, appreciate everything that you do and that you're a, a, a huge role model for me. You make me want to be commissioner one day, maybe. We'll see what happens. Let me talk to you about that. We'll see if he still has all of this, you know. Yeah, no, you, you're, gonna, you're not going to be able to wear the hair into the commissionership, I don't think. Maybe. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. Well, cool. Well, thank you so much, commissioner.
All right, thank you all very much. Ashley and Caleb, it's been uh, been a pleasure. I've enjoyed it. Let's do this again sometime. Definitely. Of course.